0: Welcome to Stanford Innovation Lab. I'm Tina Seelig, Professor of the Practice in the Department of Management Science and Engineering at Stanford University. This podcast is designed to give you a taste of the topics we explore in our classes on innovation and entrepreneurship. Today's guest is J.D. Schramm, who teaches students at Stanford how to communicate effectively. One of his special interests is Storytelling. In fact, he's a master storyteller himself, having given two very powerful TED Talks, which I highly recommend. I'm sure you'll really enjoy J.D.'s lessons on how to craft a compelling story, including how to start, how to finish, and what happens in between. J.D., thank you so much for joining us. It's really a pleasure to have you.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. This is, a, this is exciting.
0: Well, I know that you are a, an expert on storytelling and, and presentation skills, and you've been teaching this for years. Why should anyone care about storytelling? I mean, isn't that just for kids?
1: <laughs> it, uh, it is for kids, and it shouldn't just be wasted on kids. I think that storytelling Over the years, especially over the last few years, has really become a key tool in the toolkit for both entrepreneurs and executives that I find want to be able to make a point in a way that's memorable, in a way that that has some life and some energy to it. And uh, it's it's a, a very powerful way to communicate an idea whether it's about, you know, a new app or a new initiative that you're starting or just wanting to be able to recognize uh, the work that your team has been doing.
0: Is this a new interest that people have? Have I just discovered this myself or is everyone else just discovered it too? I
1: think right now we are definitely experiencing a renaissance of storytelling and a revived interest in effective storytelling. The you know the art of storytelling you know predates all of us and and almost you know we can go back to the earliest parts of civilization you know storytelling was how history was was uh, held onto and transferred as oral history from community to community and when we look you know you began by asking me about storytelling for children when I look at at my own daughter who is you know almost 16 months she even without language loves engaging with us around stories. And so I think we are wired to want to listen to and experience the world as a story. And so I think right now there is a lot more writing and teaching and consulting on it because I think people are returning to that as as a interpersonal way to communicate, perhaps because so much of our communication has become uh, so technical Uh, you know, be it a tweet, be it a PowerPoint slide, be it a webinar, be it a podcast. I think um, stories allow us to get that human to human connection. And I think we crave that with things being so high tech right now.
0: That really makes a lot of sense. How did you become such a masterful storyteller? I've watched your TED Talks. And, you know, once you watch the first couple of seconds, you're hooked. You know, how did you learn the skill?
1: (laughs) I knew you were going to ask me that question, and I don't know that I'm prepared with the answer. Uh, I think probably my best storytelling skills were campfires when I was a kid. I was very active in Boy Scouts, you know, from uh, grade school through high school. And I think the art of sitting around a fire and having, you know, uh, leaders retell and retell stories and seeing that um that way that you could capture everybody's attention, you could hold everybody's attention. I think that's probably the place that was my first lab for storytelling. And then uh, now, you know, over the last decade that I've been at the Graduate School of Business at Stanford, uh, I've done a lot of work with entrepreneurs as well as with colleagues who teach on on what are the what are the habits of a good storyteller what are the, the tools that I can use to make my stories both more compelling and more memorable? So I think I've added more framework to it, but I think it goes all the way back to, you know, my childhood and growing up with stories around the campfire.
0: Are these skills relevant for everyone? Is, are, should there just be certain people in an organization who are the, the storytellers or does everybody need to have these skills?
1: I think the beauty of having a few people in the organization who are storytellers is that that creates a culture inside the organization that, that storytelling is appreciated and that it is a way in which we convey information. But absolutely. I think everyone in the organization um, should be encouraged to tell stories and helped to tell stories more effectively, more concisely, more powerfully. And I think some of the best stories that I hear, from the frontline employees. I, I, um, as an example, I work with a real estate investment firm, and one of the best stories that I have heard in all the work that I've done with them over the years is a custodian in one of their buildings in Toronto telling the story of finding a lost pearl earring. And his level of detail, his level of authenticity, it just is lovely to hear him tell that story and the pride he has in his team and how creative they were at finding this one earring. And so I, I think anybody in the organization can tell stories. And if there are people who are really good at it, let's, let's spotlight them. Let's highlight them and focus on them so everybody knows it's, it's something we encourage.
0: So I'm going to play a clip from Jack Dorsey, who's the founder of, uh, of Twitter and Square. Okay. And he's talking about the importance of storytelling in a business. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on his ideas.
2: If you want to build a product, and you want to build a product that is relevant to folks, you need to put yourself in their shoes. And you need to write a story from their side. So we spend a lot of time writing what's called user narratives of this user, or this person, is in the middle of Chicago. And they go to a coffee store in the middle of Chicago. And this is the the experience. They're going to have it, it reads like a play. It's really, it's really, really beautiful. And if you do that story well, then all of the prioritization, all of the product, all of the design, and all the coordination that you need to do uh, with these products just falls out naturally because you can edit the story and everyone, everyone can relate to the story from all levels of the organization, engineers to operations to support, to designers, to you know, the business, the business side of the house. Um, so that story is very, very important for us.
0: So, what do you think about that? The idea that storytelling is actually used to shape the way a product evolves.
1: I think that's extremely exciting. I think the as I as I listen to Jack and his enthusiasm both for the small stories that happen inside of everyday business and the way he said the epic story that 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 captures a user experience i think that's a great way to use the narrative arc of an effective story to place at the center of it place at the protagonist of the story to be the customers that we're trying to serve and if if i as an entrepreneur or a business leader, forget what it's like to walk in the shoes of my customer, um, then, then I, I get detached. I get distant from that experience. And if the story can help re that and take me back there, I think that's, that's fantastic.
0: The thing that I found most interesting about this is that the story is really about problem-solving right? They're they're walking in their customer's shoes and identifying problems that they can solve through a story. Are stories like that too? I mean, is that the idea that a story presents a compelling problem or tension, a challenge that has some sort of resolution?
1: Absolutely. I think the, um, you know, if we look at the classic story arc from uh, you know, the, the, the background information, the crisis that uh, that that ensues, the resolution, and then the denouement, the way things are after uh, the problem has been solved. You know, if we go all the way back to you know, the Greek tragedies, if we look at any of the work that, that, that Shakespeare did, and we look at a well-told joke by a, a comedian on late-night TV— uh, there has to be some sort of, of challenge or problem or situation that we are different on the other side of. That's the, the art of going through a good story. And so, having our customers as um, protagonists experiencing that arc of the story I think is a great way to look at, at how we do effective problem solving.
0: So, you've got the arc of a story where do you start when you want to craft one? Whether it's a story that's an internal story that's going to help you shape a product or a story that's going to inspire a customer, where do you start in designing that story?
1: Ultimately, I think as a storyteller, you can begin anywhere along that arc. I could have a situation that we have resolved. And so I'm at that denouement portion of the arc. And it's like, okay, we solved this. Well, what exactly was the problem? Let's get the details of the problem clear. Well, what was going on before that problem occurred? What was, what was the status quo like? In it? And so I could reverse engineer a story. I could be in the midst of a crisis in the moment and say, okay, what, what's the story that's going on? How is this landing for our investors? How's this landing for our employees? How's this landing for our customers? And I don't yet have the resolution, but I'm starting in the, in the crisis and I'm going backwards to how did we get here? And I'm going to forward to how do I want it to look afterwards? And uh, and I could also imagine, you know, um, let's start from the very beginning. I could imagine beginning uh, my work on crafting a story, just literally uh, starting in a in a uh, sequential fashion in terms of what happened first, second, and third. So I think you can begin anywhere along the arc, but the the challenge for a leader who wants to use stories effectively is then to pull off of that and get more clear about the elements of the story and then more concise. How can I, how can I tell this in the fewest words possible that I still have the detail that's necessary? And that I think is, when we think of the difference between an effective storyteller and an ineffective storyteller, it often is, how quickly can they draw us into that world, keep us in that world, and get to that conclusion? I
0: think that's a really good point. Sometimes people give you way more detail than you want, and you just lose interest. And the key is to keep you, you know, engaged and sort of turning that page. Exactly. So do all stories need to have a hook, something at the beginning that grabs your attention?
1: I hesitate to say all stories because I think that part of the beauty of stories is that they don't all have to follow a formula, but I would say most stories. You have a hook at the beginning, you have something that that certainly captures our attention, but foreshadows where the story is going to go that may not even be clear to us until we get to the end of the story, and then it circles back to where we began one of the stories that I love to use uh, off of the TED website is uh, Mark Betzos, who is a volunteer firefighter and uh, has a very short four-minute TED talk out there about his experience at, at one of the fire sites that, that he was called out to and what he is asked by the um, by the fire captain to, to handle that at, during the fire. And in that, he gives a quick snapshot of the woman... That is whose home is on fire. And she says, there she was, standing on an umbrella, in her pajamas, barefoot. That's the only details he gives us about that woman. But then when you get to the end of the story, you realize why those three details are important. So I think a well-crafted story does have some of those hooks, some of those seeds of what's going to happen later on. But I don't want to put so many in there that it becomes overwhelming or hard to follow. But I want to have enough of a trail that at the end, we can see how we got there.
0: Yeah, it basically is an aha at the end that you sort of solve the little mystery, even if it wasn't called out specifically that you go, oh, I see what you did there. Exactly. Do stories have shapes? Do you think of them as sort of a, a shape of a story that you need to, to craft? I mean, what sort of metaphors do you use when you're designing a story?
1: I think all stories have uh, some level of shape to them. And I think, you know, while I, I traditionally think of it in terms of a, of a peak or a triangle, uh, you know, uh, going up and coming off of that as as, as Freitag used in, in describing good dramas... Uh, I think at a more nuanced level uh that that stories do have um a variety of shapes that are reflective of the characters and plot and and details that that they're there to serve. Some are much more delicate like like a um a bubble uh, coming out of a bubble machine that that has a life for a period of time until it's touched by something else and so there's a a fragility to it, uh, while other stories, I think, have a real resilience to them, almost like a, a, a racquetball that, that could easily bounce around the room several times off the floor and off the ceiling and off the walls. Uh, and, and I think each story ends up having um, a life of its own, you, you, you or life in shape of its own. You used the word earlier of, of an analogy, and I do think... When we're crafting a story, if there is an analogy that's vivid to us, even if we don't share it with the people that we're telling the story to, it can help us as we craft it. Is it is it more like an evergreen? Is it more like a lotus flower? Is it is it more like a, a bubble or a cloud or a strike of lightning? I think having those um, visual images in our mind as we craft the story allows us to Um, tighten it, and as we tell it and retell it, uh, be true to that which was our original intention with the story.
0: I'm fascinated with the types of hooks that people use to get a story going. And we know that the lowest common denominator is a joke, right? You go, okay, you got a big, dry talk to give. At least start out with a joke to get people involved. Besides a joke, what are other hooks that get people engaged with your story at the very beginning? I...
1: I definitely think that engagement is crucial. It can happen with um, a well posed question, either a rhetorical question or a question that you actually want people to answer. Uh, how many of you have ever been blob- bobsledding? Uh, how many of you have ever been in a bobsledding accident? Like, I, I could use that to get people into a world that that is unfamiliar to them. Um, I also think um, that uh, there can be times, and I've seen this done more effectively with people who are also using slides, but where I can put up a statistic or I can put up a number and, uh, and, or an infographic and have people begin to consider, you know, um, of a hundred students in, in public schools in San Francisco, how many of them do you think come to school having not eaten? And I get people to begin to guess, and then they see the infographic, you know, with 100 students there, and 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 you know, 37 and a half are colored in red that that you know represents the, the percent of students who who are without meals. And then I say, let me tell you about Jose, and I go into an individual story that's based on the statistic that I've started from. Uh, and so I think that can be uh, an effective hook, an effective way to do that. Um, there also are um, phrasing that I can use as a hook. Um, oftentimes a good storyteller will start with, imagine this, uh, close your eyes with me if you will, and, and take people um, softly but, but uh, uh, with direction into the special world that they want to be able to describe uh, uh, as a part of, of opening the story and setting the stage for where we're at. Um, and I, I often feel some of the best stories and one of the the techniques I encourage is you just be able to parachute into the middle of the story rather than starting off saying, I'm glad to be here today. I want to tell you a story about a time when I was in the third grade, I can just say sister Theodosia walked in the room and all of us boys knew we were in trouble. You don't know exactly which grade I'm in, but you can guess that I am taking us into a very specific world in a Catholic grade school, you know, with, with that situation. And the parachuting in, I think, is a great technique to get people into the middle of the story. And again, it helps me be concise in my storytelling.
0: Fabulous. Do you think about the emotional arc that you're going to take the audience through?
1: I do in the design of a story. And at times I will um, you know, expand a story or contract a story depending on, you know, the journey that I want people to, to join me on. I don't as much think about it when I'm in the midst of telling the story. Um, but I do in the design phase, think through, you know, how will I get them to where I want them to be? And then in the telling, it's really just being
0: connected to your audience. So what other tools do you have about the way you physically move? the way you use your voice. What other levers do you have that add texture to this story?
1: Well, I think the best tool in a storyteller's toolkit is eye contact. I really need to, and I go back to the the campfire setting, I really need to make individual eye contact with the people that I'm telling the story to for four to seven seconds. And I really need to have them experience um, that I am with with them there Uh, In the journey.
0: So let me play you a clip now from Guy Kawasaki, who is known to be a fabulous, fabulous speaker and storyteller. And he's talking about how companies use storytelling and especially their origin stories to get people excited about the type of problems they're trying to solve.
3: You need to tell a story. Most people particularly in technology, are horrible at telling stories. You need to tell a story. Why did you start eBay? Why did you start Google? Why did you start Apple? You can even make up the story after the fact, okay? <laughs> the, one of the great legends of Silicon Valley is that eBay was because Pierre Amedyar's girlfriend wanted to sell Pez dispensers, okay? The truth is that he really wanted to create a perfect market where demand and supply cross each other. The perfect market. And to have a perfect market, you need to eliminate geography. The story of the Pez dispenser is after the fact. Now, I'm not encouraging you to lie, but I am telling you a story is much more powerful when you launch. Why you two in a garage knew there was a better way to search, or you wanted to bring personal computers to more people, or you wanted a place where people could... Upload video of people dropping Mentos into Diet Cokes. You know, whatever it is, tell a story.
0: What do you think about that? Does every company need to have a story? Can just the facts of the technology work? Or is a story a critical part of connecting with your customers?
1: I think if your goal is to connect with your customers, which should be for all businesses... I think a story is the most effective way to do that. So I would agree with uh, with what Guy said about uh, the power of that story of the founding, Uh, and I would even go one step further and say, you know, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Um, Maybe Mark Twain said that. Maybe Oscar Wilde said that. Somebody said it, and it has been attributed to many people. But there is a allowable folklore when we're telling a story, that it, it's not a statistical account, it's not a historical account, it is a memory of uh, that which transpired, and it also allows me uh, to hit on the details that are important for that particular audience to know uh, about what took place.
0: So how should a story end? How should people feel at the end of a story? I mean, I'm sure that there are lots of stories that are great and then they fall flat because someone didn't have a great... They didn't stick the landing. Uh, How do you stick the landing at the end of a, a story?
1: I think it's important to know where you want to land, where that arrival point is that you're shooting for, and when it's time to just be quiet. I think it's important that the story end and that there be a level of silence and space for people to um, process and, and get the lesson that was there. Too many times we feel like we have to then say, so the moral of the story is rarely do I really need to share that. And a well-told story, uh, the lesson is is clear and the moral uh, is, is is clear to the audience. And so don't add more on after the story is ended, let it have its life and its ending and stop. Let your audience be with it.
0: That's about trusting your audience, trusting their intelligence, trusting their emotions, trusting that they were with you through the journey.
1: Yes. I think you, you have to be able to trust the audience and be able to read the audience. There may be times where for a cultural difference or a, a generational difference, uh, that I may need to adapt which story I'm going to use. There may be times that, that I need to provide more detail or, or, um, alter, uh, the, the, the story that's most effective in that particular moment. But I do think there is a level of trust and also a level of respect that a storyteller and in, in, in enters into, uh, with her or his audience, Um, That is part of the beauty of storytelling.
0: Now, most of what we've talked about relates to literally physically getting up and telling a story to an audience. Do you think about it differently when you're creating um, a story that's going to be read or a story that is going to be part of an advertising campaign? Do you have to think about the context or does this framework of storytelling work independent of the, the medium? I think
1: it does work independent of the medium. I think the medium uh, gives me more tools or limits the number of tools that I have in order to be able to tell the story. But I think at its heart, um, the, the, the structure, or as we talked earlier, the, the shape of the story uh, is, is dictated by the story, not by the medium I'm gonna use to tell it. Now, I may find that certain stories are easier to communicate when I've got rich video or I've got photos. Other stories may be easier to communicate when you know, I'm just standing online waiting for my flight at the airport, and gifted leaders usually have a supply of stories that they can use on different occasions, and they're also looking for stories that they can add to uh, their repertoire. But I don't think the medium dictates what happens as much as letting the story, uh, almost like a novelist says, you know, the, the story had to write me, the story has to tell itself to you. And then you get the the privilege of shaping it and using it in different ways.
0: So if, if someone was listening now and they wanted to become a better storyteller, how should they start?
1: One, listen to stories, uh, listen to podcasts of stories, listen to, you know, speakers who use stories, pay attention at temple or at church or in the classes that you're taking, um, listen for and seek out good stories on uh, on uh, you know the TED website or other places. So that you begin to be a curator of stories as you're becoming a teller of stories. And then look for the opportunity, uh, you know, over dinner uh, as you're interacting with your employees, or with your family. Um, test out your skills of storytelling and get some feedback from people. How did that land? Was that effective? Um, would that work in this situation? And I think it's, it's, the beauty of it is it, it can be a little bit trial and error, but we get better at storytelling by telling stories. And the more that we do that, the more effective we'll be.
0: So is there a final thought you want to leave with us about stories?
1: Well, as you clearly know, I love stories. I love telling them. I love listening to them. I love looking for them. But uh, James Buckhouse, who uh, used to be at Twitter and is now at Sequoia, Um, When he and I have discussed storytelling with my students at Stanford, he offered this thought. He said, you know, it's not just the power of the story that I tell. And it's not the power of the story that you hear. It's the power of the story that you then retell. And it is in that retransmission of a story that I have my most power as a leader. And so a well-crafted, a well-told story can end up having a life of its own because it's easy for people to capture, remember and retell and it lets my influence as a leader, as a storyteller, as an entrepreneur go so much further if I've taken the time to craft it and tell it effectively.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for giving us the ability to retransfer your story.
1: Thank you. It's been great to be here today.
0: It's my pleasure. This podcast is brought to you by Stanford eCorner and the Stanford Technology Ventures Program, the Entrepreneurship Center at Stanford School of Engineering. Stanford Innovation Lab is produced and edited by Eli Shell. Our digital solutions manager is Sarah Kahn, with software development by Davor Senkovich. Our designer is Daniel Stusi, and communications and marketing are led by Mike Pena and Monica Yort. You can find additional podcasts, videos, and articles at eCorner.stanford.edu. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on both this podcast and our ETL series. So please follow us on Twitter and eCorner. And if you're a fan of the series, please leave a review on iTunes. Finally, remember, entrepreneurs do much more than imaginable with much less than seems possible.